a little biased this morning, but don't we have the cutest kids in the world? I think Mark Duffer misunderstood me. We have the oldest kids, Mark, that would be a proper... It's good to be here this morning, and as you can tell, our pastor is not here. Um, he decided that it would be fun for him to uh, have a kidney stone. Um, so we need to lift up our pastor this morning as he is in pain, and uh, I don't know why he would want to do that before a Sunday morning. That's a pretty poor excuse to get out of preaching, I think, but we need to... Pray for our pastor, and I just want to do that now and lift him up and his family as they are battling this really difficult um, thing that's happening in his life. So let's, let's pray for our pastor this morning. Father, we come to you now. We just lift up Pastor James to you. Father, I can't even imagine what it's like, what he's experiencing right now. I pray that this kidney stone would pass quickly. Father, that you would relieve the pain from his life. I pray for his healing in the, the days um, ahead. Father, we just appreciate all that he, he does here, um, and even the things that no one knows about. I just thank you for our pastor this morning. I thank you for his family. I pray that you would watch over them in a special way. And... Um, we just pray for complete healing, and uh, we just pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I found out that I was preaching this morning at 7.15. <laughs> and it's funny because um, I, it, many, many of you may know, but I am in the middle of, of seminary class. It's a New Testament class, and I've been, I've got two more weeks uh, left, and I, I had a paper that I had to work on um, the other day, and it just so happened to be what God laid on my heart last night. Um, even while I was laying there and kind of knew that I might have to preach this morning, I, I thought, well, this is what I need to hear, and I feel like it's what we need to hear this morning. How can we know how can we know that we are a child of God? We're going to look at, at 1 John uh, in a moment, but I have a question for the ladies in this room. It's a personal question. How many of you like the Hallmark Christmas movies? Let me see your hands. All right. Husbands, how many of you are forced to watch those movies? Raise your hand. All right. If you're unfamiliar with the Hallmark Christmas movies, let me give you a synopsis what they are all about. Okay? You ready for this? You have a businesswoman or man who decides to go back to a small town or they're going for business, and they will always meet someone who is the town painter or a school teacher or someone that they grew up with. And so they come into town with gun blazing and they're ready to do business or whatever it may be. They have an awkward moment with this man or woman who is in the town. 
and you start thinking, how is this going to be resolved? Here's the trick about the Hallmark movies, though. They will always have an ex-girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, or somebody that will come back to town and try to ruin everything. <laughs> they come back and they, oh, baby, I love you. And, and then you have this awkward moment where the person that they were kind of falling in love with along the way, look, I didn't know you were going out with anybody. I didn't know you were previously married. All hope is lost, right? Nope. <laughs> Along the way, what I forgot to mention is there's usually about between three and four of those glances that they have with one another. It's the one I just gave my wife. <laughs> it's that, it's that kind of glance that, wow. Right, baby? <laughs> they have those several times, and the thing that aggravates me about this, about the Hallmark movies, is that right before they kiss for the very first time, somebody always sneezes. <laughs> or someone will walk through the door. We watched the movie last night, and uh, this happened three times, and I got aggravated. <laughs> I honestly said, just kiss already. Get this over with. Yeah. They have to wait to the end, and that's always the magical moment. And there's always snow and lights and all these things that, that make these, these movies magical, right? And at the very end, one of them will run and, to the person and admit that they were wrong or, or explain to them that that girl that came into town, there's nothing between us, I promise. And they kiss, and that's it. That is the formula for every single Hallmark movie. And I love them. <laughs> here's, why, here's why I love them so much. Uh, it was funny, when, when Holly and I first got married, uh, we lived with her parents for a while, and I think we watched about 20, 25 of them a day. Um, I don't think the math works out right there, but that's what we did. Um, we watched them over and over again, and I like them for several reasons. I, I like them because they kind of get me prepared for that time of year, not that we only fall in love during that time of year, but it gets me kind of ready for Christmas. I love the lights and just everything that go along with it, but they're so predictable that I don't have to worry about how they're going to end, right? At the very beginning, I can tell you what's going to happen, and I can tell you that that person right there is really not a good person, and most of the time, I'm right. And so I like those movies primarily because I know how they're going to end. I don't have to stress or, or worry. Sometimes I feel like we have people out there who they don't fully know that they are a child of God because they have been hearing things from Satan for so long. Right? Don't you think that that's true? That sometimes we, well... I, I remember walking down the aisle and I remember putting my faith, but I just feel like I'm so far away from Christ that I don't know if I am His anymore. I have lost my, my first love as we see in Scripture. But I want you to listen to these questions. Is Jesus who He says He is? 
How can we know that we are saved? What are the implications of following Christ? These are the questions that we ask of ourselves throughout our lives. How do we know that we know that we know? If you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John. We're going to kind of skip around a little bit this morning, but how can we know? Chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Father, I just pray, I pray for this text, Lord, that as we look at your word, and we look at the implications of what it means to follow you, to follow your son who gave it all for us on the cross, Lord, that we would, we would just hear from you this morning. Father, that your word, as we know, is alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We know it can penetrate even down to the bone. And Lord, I pray that your word would penetrate all of us this morning down to the bone. Father, that we would be convicted we would be encouraged. We would be spurred on, Lord, to trust you more and to trust your word and trust all that you have done in us and through us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was growing up, uh, I, many of you know that I grew up in a, a pastor's home. And one thing that is always true uh, and Steve, I, I guarantee you, you will tell me that I'm correct on this, but pastors will always use their children as sermon illustrations. Right? It's built in uh, to a pastor's DNA to use your children's faults against themselves. So when I was growing up, I was a middle child, and my dad would use us as examples all the time, um, primarily what not to do. <laughs> and uh, But when I was growing up, I remember just hearing my dad and, and, he, and how he would prepare for his messages and how he would, he would use these amazing illustrations. And, and I, I just remember, Dad, where do you get all of your information? Like, where do you get your, your sermons? Where do you get, how do you know all this stuff, Pop, is really what I asked him. And that was true not only in how he prepared his messages, but that was true with everything. My dad was one of those jacks of all trades and master of none. And, uh, I, you know, Pop, how do you know that? We'd watch Jeopardy, which I love to watch Jeopardy, and it would frustrate me to no end. Um, you like Jeopardy? I love it. So I would watch it and think, oh, I know this, and my dad would, would know the answer. I'd like, Pop, how do you know this? 
And he would look at me, roll, and I'm going to say this because he's not here. He would look at me kind of smirking. I'm smart. <laughs> Pop, how do you know that? I'm smart. You know, and after many years of hearing that, I, I believe him. Holly's dad. I can talk about him too. Um, he's one of those kind of guys that reads books and memorizes all the facts, right? Reads encyclopedias for fun and memorizes all these facts and all this stuff and has this wealth of knowledge. And it's fascinating when you're around those kind of men because they seem to know everything, right? And you probably have people in your life that are the same way, that they just know a lot. Experience teaches us so much more sometimes than a book. One example that Holly's dad, uh, I can't remember, he, he's never flown a plane, right? He's never actually piloted a plane, but when you talk to him, you would think he's flown a plane before because he's read it, right? He's read all the books on how to fly a plane. He knows all the physics that go behind it, and yet he has never actually done it. When we look at Scripture today, at this passage here, we have an eyewitness account to Jesus Christ. I love what John says here, that which we, from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What you have here is an intimate picture of John saying that we have witnessed that Jesus is who he says he is, right? And so there's, there's a lot of validity, there's a lot of power, and there's a lot of, um, more than knowledge, there's firsthand account of this witness of John here to the Lord. And so I come back to the question, how can we know? If you have ever spent a little time of G with Jesus, he changes you. He does. You are no longer the same. Well, you can say, well, Nick, what, what does that mean? How do you spend time with Jesus? His word. Prayer. Right? Spend time in God's word. If you're not in God's word and praying and on your face daily, my next question is, do you know him? And so we have an eyewitness account here. We have seen these things. We have experienced these things. And we are no longer the same. Right? So have you been with Jesus? If you skip on down to chapter 2, I love the language here. It says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours but only, but for also for the sins of the world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. John here says, my little children. Now, how many times have you had your kids around and you said, all right, kids, listen to me, you know? Kids, children, listen to me. It's an intimate language that John is saying here. My children, listen to what I'm saying here. 
Don't keep sinning. Here's the, the problem that I think we have in America today is that we believe that we have, we have license and freedom to keep on sinning after we come to Christ. Right? We, we see it in the media. We see it in, in churches across the country where we are seeing sin walk in, not the back door anymore, but we are seeing sin walk in through the front door of the church. And it's a sad commentary on what it means to be a follower of Jesus when we're allowing sin to be almost as a badge of honor in our country. When I was a kid, how many of you like to play board games? A few people. Remember the, the, the game Monopoly? Monopoly, after about 30 minutes, it becomes hell on earth. Right? Monopoly becomes that game where it just people are just hotel after hotel, and it's a four-and-a-half-hour game, and next thing you know, you have someone that flips the table up, and it's over with, right, Kyle? <laughs> Why do we play Monopoly? But, but we do. And one thing I love about that game is you have the two decks of cards. You have, what, remember what they are? Chance and... All right, you have one card... It says, get out of jail free, right? And you can use that to, to get out of jail. And it's, it's a card that you want to have during the game. But when I think about the get out of jail free card, a lot of times I feel like that is kind of the way that we view sin. I, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to continue to I mean, these sins aren't affecting anybody else. Wrong. Right? I'm going to continue to do the things that I want to do because I know better than God. That is what sin really is. Adam and Eve thought they knew better than God. And so they willfully sinned because they thought they knew better. We're the same way. And so we continue to sin, and we continue to think that everything is going to be okay. But let me tell you, and you know this, sin always has consequences on yourself or those around you. And there's nothing sadder to me than to see someone that is living in sin, they don't want to address it, they don't want to deal with it, and it is affecting families and it is affecting generations to come. There are generational sins that literally will follow your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. How dare we think that we know better than God and to think that our sins will not come back to bite us. Our sins do not have repercussions. So John immediately says, don't keep sinning. Whoever says that they know him keeps his commandments. Right? And we know the commandments. That's the part that really frustrates me in my own life. I know the Ten Commandments. I know that I am to love God and to love other people. Everything hinges on those two, and yet I still sin. I still mess up. I still fall short of the, of the glory of God. Still fall short of the glory of God. And so, how can we know that we are a child of God? We don't keep sinning willfully. Willfully. We are still going to mess up. Right? We're still going to fall short. But how dare us believe that we can continue living willful sin in our lives. 
you go on to chapter 3. Verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing along, away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. So my question, what is the will of God? What is the will of God for your life, for my life? What are the implications of following God and obeying His commandments? The will of God is not as mysterious as we may think, right? I love the phrase, love God, love people. Because what it does for me is it, it, it fixes my eyes on Him, the perfecter of my faith, and it fixes my eyes on people so that I love people without prejudice, without judgment. Right? Without prejudice, without judgment. And so if we are doing the will of the Father, we are no longer living according to our own desires. We are now living to God's desires. And God's desires are for us to live a holy sanctified life, and to tell others about Jesus. We're going to see a video in a little bit about people that did that very same thing, that put uh, feet to their faith and went to Southeast Asia. And it's really cool when I was looking through the pictures. Uh, you'll see some in a little bit, but you could see almost a desperation in the eyes of those people. Right? Gloria, am I, am I saying the wrong thing here? They have no hope. They don't know this Jesus that we're talking about. Do we have that same desire to tell people that have no hope? That is the will of God for us to go and to tell people. Right? For us to get out of our comfort zone and to share Christ with those around us. This is a true and tangible thing that we can do to know that we belong to Christ is to tell others about him. To not be ashamed of the gospel. Later on in the chapter, in chapter 3, John uses light and dark imagery throughout the epistle. And he causes, or he conveys a cause and effect for us to remain faithful For us to be faithful. Do you know anybody that is faithful? They are steady. They are sure. It doesn't matter what storms come in their life. They trust in the Lord. Do you know somebody like that? I've known many people who are just like that. They are in a valley, but they know that God's with them. They're going through a difficulty. They're, 
Cancer has hit them. They are financially in ruin, but I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. He's going to direct my paths and make them straight. I want to be that kind of person, don't you? Don't you want to be steady and sure in your faith and not waver? I keep going back to this word in this epistle. The word is know. K-N-O-W. How can we how can we know? The last passage I want to, to share with you this morning. First John chapter five. First John chapter five. It says this. I want you to listen to all of this. It's good. Everyone who believes that Jesus is a Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one that, who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. Did you hear that? Whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and the life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I love this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who in, is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. 
He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This entire book of 1 John is, is a homily. In other words, it is a, a sermon. And it is one of the general epistles um, that is not addressed to a specific church or to a specific people. It is a message. And so if we take everything that has been said today, we can wrap it up in one word, assurance. Assurance. Have you ever doubted your salvation? If so, I would always direct you to come back to God's word. First John. Here's how we can know that we are a child of God. We don't keep sinning willfully, right? If we are a child of God, we are obeying his commands. If we are a child of God, we are loving people. We are sharing the gospel with people every single day. How can we know that we are a child of God? We have eternal life. We have hope. Our students are doing a study on uh, Wednesday nights, and it's uh, called Something Needs to Change. It's a David Platt um, uh, series, and he basically goes to the Himalayan mountains, and um, they have to actually take a helicopter to get into some of these places. But through this study, I've learned that there are 9 million people living in the Himalayas. Now think about that for a minute. 9 million people living in the Himalayas. Almost half of the children, before they become eight years old, die. Now think about that for a minute. Almost half of the children, before they reach the age of eight years old, die. And there's an estimate that there are probably only about a hundred followers of Christ in that area of the world. David goes on to say... They, they come to these different villages, and they come up to this house, and this man is, is missing an eye. And they ask him, what, what happened? What, what happened to your, to your eye? And the man tells them that um, due to uh, poor uh, water, uh, they, the water up there is very scarce, and it has a lot of different bacteria in it. Actually got an infection, and his eye literally fell out. So the man is covering his eye and looking down, can't even look David and his team in the eye. And it breaks their heart to know that something that we take for granted, clean water, they don't have access to that. But something that really, really, really broke my heart is they started sharing their faith with this man. They said, let me tell you about Jesus. And the man said, who is he? Does he live around here? People in those parts of our world have never heard the name of Jesus. Now, can you imagine? Well, we live in the Bible Belt, right? Most people around here have heard the name of Jesus, right? Most people around here at least have some idea of what it means to, to know Christ. These people have never even heard the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. Never heard it. 
And then I come back to this text. And I think about all the people in the world that have no hope. No hope. They're living every single day, going through the motions. If you know Christ, you have hope. Right? If you have a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you have hope. You can know that you are a child of God. No longer do you have to worry about where you're going to spend eternity. It's secure. It's sealed up. You're going to be with Him forever in heaven. But uh, as I alluded to earlier, there is a, a light and dark element here in John. Is he writes also in his, his gospel. If you don't know Him, if you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about that literally paid the price for your sins and for mine and rose again on the third day. If you don't know him, you have no hope. You have no security. You have no eternal home with Christ. You do have an eternal home. A real place called hell. Do you know him? Do you know my Jesus this morning? Have you trusted in him? Do you have doubts of your faith? If you do, 1 John is a good litmus test. It is a good test for us to line ourselves up with, do I, am, am I willfully sinning? Do I even know Christ? Am I far from him? Am I doing the will of the Father? Where are you this morning? Do you know that you know that you know that you know? My mom used to say that all the time as a student minister. Do you know that you know that you know that you know? I can stand here with full confidence. I know. Can you? Let's pray. Father, your word is it's powerful. Father, your goodness to us is powerful. Father, I thank you that we don't have to live wondering if we know your son Jesus. Father, your word is so clear that all we have to do is to believe and to trust in Him. So as I prayed earlier, Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning that does not know You, Lord, that they would remember what Your Word said this morning. How dare us to keep on sinning when we know that You want us to be righteous and holy. Father, forgive me, Lord, when I have failed you. So I pray that this morning would be a morning of repentance.
a morning of salvation for somebody here. A morning where restoration can happen at the altar. Father, I just love you so much. And I love your son. Father, even as your word said that the testimony of that they have touched you and that they have been with you, that they are witnesses, Lord, I stand here this morning as a witness of all that you have done in my life. You have done so much. You have changed me from the inside out and you are continually changing me every single day. So I pray that we would lay our pride down this morning. Father, that we would just come as we are. Whatever needs to happen this morning, Lord, would your spirit move freely in this room? I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.